Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I'm Janine, and this is Get the Funk Out. I have an incredible show for you this morning. Uh, let me just tell you who we were listening to, thanks to Sheldon Abbott. Flavio Gomaris and Neto Rockefeller off their CD soundtracks, and uh, that was track one. Arapador. So here's the scoop on today. Want to give a shout out to the e-learning guild in San Diego. They are getting ready to kick off an amazing event and it's free. So if you're feeling in a career funk or you want to explore something new, you want to take the day off and uh, see something really cool, there's this e-learning event and you can learn about mobile games, video. There's, there's a huge role right now going on in learning and performance with all these different technologies. And there's a great event going on and there's part of it is free. So you can go visit this. It's coming up uh, next week, June 20th to 21st in San Diego. I put everything up on my show blog, getthefunkoutshow.kuci.com. Dot org And if you're not familiar with learning and development, it goes back for years and years, and it's really evolved. I have a background in, in this as well. And what's happened is all these different technologies are helping people learn in different contexts. So the event is called Focus on Learning 2017. And maybe you're a writer, you're an instructional designer, you're an education specialist. There's something for everybody. Again, it's up on my show blog. Focus on Learning 2017 coming up June 20th to 21st. All right, we are back. Uh, My first guest is standing by. Author Daniel McGinn is going to talk about Psyched Up. Coming up after Daniel is Ginny Moon. It's actually the novel. It's called Ginny Moon by Benjamin Ludwig. And then Alex and Eliza, a love story by Melissa Dela Cruz. And at 945, Gary Peel from the band Boston. Good morning, Daniel. Hi. Thanks for calling in. Thank you. I was going to make some really stupid joke, like, I'm so psyched you're on the show. <laughs> I have heard that, and I've heard, I, know. I can't wait to dive in. Oh, Those gosh. Are the two big ones. I'm yeah. so sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. So tell me about why this was an important topic for you. It's really interesting. So I was uh, a high school athlete. I wasn't very good, but I learned a lot from watching the coaches try to motivate the players and watching the players listen to music and do rituals and have pep talks and try to get themselves psyched up for important games. When I became a working professional, occasionally I would meet people that were doing the same thing before their big events at work. And I decided to look at research and try to understand whether this stuff really works and what does work best for people. I loved how you divided uh, this book into specific chapters. Um, Could you talk about why we need a pre-performance ritual? Sure. There's a lot of research, especially in sports, that people that do the same thing before they putt a golf ball or kick a soccer ball at a goal or do Olympic diving, that if you have a ritual, a set of routine tasks you do before this, that you'll do better at it. And I found when I talked with people far outside of sports that a lot of them have either routines or rituals or superstitious kinds of things they do in advance. It helps them be more confident. It maybe distracts them from their anxiety, and they think it helps them perform better. I always got a kick out of uh, watching a baseball player do all those little quirky moves and things, and they just do it over and over. It was like just their thing. Yeah, the, the human body really craves routine, and especially in 
anxious sorts of settings. So one of the examples is if you think of a funeral, you know, funerals are very ritualistic because that's a very stressful, nerve-wracking time for people. They don't know if they're going to say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing. So rituals are really there to help us know what to do when we might not know what to do. And so if you think of somebody backstage about to go on and perform, that's a great time to have a set of activities that help you focus, help you not feel anxious, and help you feel confident. I forget the name of the skater. Uh, was his was it Ono, um, the speed skater? He used to yawn all the time right before. Do you know who I'm talking about? There's all sorts of strange ones. So Wade Boggs, the baseball player, had he ate chicken before every game. He would run sprints so many minutes before the first pitch. He would carve initials in the dirt before he went to at-bat. Um, you know, some of these things don't make any logical sense other than to the person who's doing them. And if they find comfort and confidence from them, uh, it's hard to fault them. In fact, I argue that everybody should try to find their own routine of their own before the days when they really need to bring their best person to work. I think it brings a lot of calm. I've had different stresses from graduate school to presentations to whatever. And I, I know for me personally, it, it's helped me a lot. Yeah, it can be all sorts of things. So, uh, lucky objects are one thing. College students report that a lot of people have lucky exam pens, or I talked to a college professor who had a lucky pair of sneakers she had worn in graduate school to her exams. It can be very little things. Like So at my office, most of our meetings are held in the same conference room, and they're not hugely stressful, but they are a time when you know I need to make sure that I'm bringing my A game. I tend to sit in the same seat at almost every one of these meetings, not because it's lucky, but just I'm used to seeing the room in that regard. You know, it's the same view. I just find it a, you know, very small percentage, but it makes me feel a little bit more in a routine and in the groove. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about, love the story of um, the DJ, how he became the Boston Red Sox DJ? Sure. So there's a chapter in the book on how to find songs that motivate you, whether you're listening to them just before you do something important, or if the the event itself, you know, if you're running a half marathon and they allow you to wear headphones, you, you know, then you can keep listening to the music right on during the performance. So I spent time with the DJ who works for the Boston Red Sox and the New England Patriots. Mm-hmm. He chooses all the music heard in the parks uh, during the events. Uh, he chooses the music that the players listen to on the amplifier system during warm-ups. Um, and he's somebody that's thought a lot about finding the right song that that hits the right moment. Um, he helps the players with their walk-up songs, which are the snippets of songs they listen to just before they bat. Um, and it really can change the atmosphere in the ballpark when he puts the right song on. I love the whole story, you know, talking about how he got the job, you know, and, and it was a, a testament of perseverance. I mean, the theme of the show is get the funk out, and we all go through these ups and downs, and we learn from those tough moments. Yeah, he, uh, early in the 2000s, he decided he wanted to be a DJ, and he went to a Red Sox game, and he heard the music, and he said, wow, they must have a DJ here. Maybe I could get that job. So he started writing a letter to the Red Sox every year, Every spring, he would just send it. And Mm -hmm. meanwhile, he was not just working as a DJ on the side, but he was working at a DJ in an improv theater where the premium was on being able to very quickly choose the right song that matched what was happening on the stage, which, when you think about it, is perfect preparation for a guy who needs to be able to cue up the right song in the middle of a baseball game. Oh, yeah. Um, He he finally got the call from the Red Sox, and he's now, I think he's now done 700 games for them, so it's a long-running career for him. I grew up, I lived in Boston for years. My husband's from Boston. I lived in Brookline, and uh, 
it's so exciting to be at a game, you know, and you just, it is amazing. It's just, you're completely, you know, thinking really quickly, you know, what am I going to put on now to meet the mood of the moment? Yeah, he was a great character from the book, and um, though he fits in with the whole premise here, which is that we associate these kind of techniques with athletes and with people we see on TV, famous performers, especially in a sports context. But, you know, our jobs require us to perform now in ways that they didn't in years past. You know, we're not Michael Phelps or Tom Brady, but we can benefit from having the kind of routine that they have to get us amped up for our best moments at work. Now, I love also you talk about Muhammad Ali, how he turned trash talking into an art form. Will you share that? Sure. Um, so uh, Ali was on a program, you know, obviously boxing. He was on a program with a professional wrestler, uh, Gorgeous George. And Ali at that point had never really taunted an opponent, but he heard the way that Gorgeous George was just super boastful and talking about the things he was going to do to his opponent the next day. And Ali realized how that energized the crowd and got him on, got the crowd on his side, and it, it seemed to distract the opponent a bit. So Ali really expropriated this technique for himself, and he did turn it into an art form. At the weigh-ins, he would really sort of almost script out and choreograph what taunts he was going to use on his opponent. In the media, he would have his rhyming schemes, uh, and he was, you know, the world has changed now. Now you don't need to do that. You can just sit down at your Twitter account and you can tweet trash talk. Um, But back in the day before technology gave us this instant vehicle for it, Ali really did uh, uh, become very adept at it. What was the process like writing this book? Because you have so many interesting chapters. So I think I'd actually been sort of thinking about the idea since I was a teenager, since I was a high school athlete myself, watching the things that our coaches would do for us. I actually say our coaches would give us a, a mimeographed letter back, you know, back in the old copy days. They would give us a mimeographed <laughs> letter mimeographed. every night, every Friday night before the game. And I kept them all because I thought they were just kind of neat. I threw them in a box somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I'd always thought that there'd be an interesting, something interesting to be done around how these coaches would get us up for these Friday night lights type of experiences. Uh, it wasn't until I got to Harvard Business Review in 2010, I started seeing academic research that touched on some of these kinds of techniques. And that's really where I started to connect the dots and came up with the chapters. Uh, and I really came up with more than the techniques is the idea that every person should find their own routine because these things really can help people do better. I love the chapter called The Keys to Confidence. Should you rely on your conscious mind, your subconscious mind, or go on autopilot? Yeah, uh, there was a lot of fun reporting for that chapter. I went to West Point and watched the sports psychologists there work with both the athletes and the soldier cadets on ways to get them basically recalling their best moments and their greatest hits before they would perform. They actually create these audio soundtracks with a narrator that would talk about you know, their best moments and how great they were. And they would listen to them before they went to sleep. They would listen to them before practices. Um, so there's a whole uh, infrastructure of support to help athletes do that at a place like West Point. It's really mind-boggling. Before we wrap up, could you talk a little bit about your background, Daniel? It's, I thought it was so interesting. Sure. Uh, I was a reporter at Newsweek for most of the 90s and 2000s. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wrote mostly about business and management. I wrote a book on the real estate bubble a bunch of years ago, and in 2010, I came over to Harvard Business Review. I uh, 
run the front of the magazine, and I do most of our coverage of CEOs, and I spend a lot of time looking at management research, including ways you can be better at your job. Do you have advice for people that just have a really hard time? I mean, they, they prep, and then they get to that moment, and they feel like they're crumbling. I think, um, number one, the book is all about kind of hack strategies, things you can do in the last 10 or 15 minutes, mm-hmm. but none of that you know, is meant to undervalue the the value of practice. You know, um, if you're nervous before an event, um, some of that is natural. You know, our bodies are biologically programmed to feel nervous in certain situations, but it also can be lack of preparation. So number one, over-invest in preparation. That's, you know, the, one of the most substantive things you can do to increase the odds that you'll do well. But then number two, try to find the right techniques, whether it is centering, whether it's reappraisal to deal with anxiety, whether it's some of these confidence-building cues or autopilot. Try to find your own regimen that helps put you in the mindset to bring your A game. And at the margin, it can definitely help you improve. Perfect. Now, where can people find out more about you? So there's a website for the book. It's www.psychedupthebook, uh, and the book is available at uh, big booksellers everywhere. Perfect. Daniel, thank you so much for calling into the show. Thank you. That was Daniel McGinn calling in to talk about his book, Psyched Up. If you missed any part of it, we'll be up on my show blog, getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. I do want to mention I am on social media. If you look for moms, M-O-M-Z underscore rock, you can find me and follow the show. And again, the blog, getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. We're going to take a little break, and then we'll be back with author Benjamin Ludwig talking about his book, Ginny Moon.